Uh, welcome to Conspiracy What. We are talking about Russia. Hi, welcome to this podcast. Today we're talking about a weird explosion, maybe? Something that happened in the middle of nowhere in Russia. Hi, I'm Allie. In 1908. Hi, I'm, I'm Allie. In 1908. As Cameron in, in 1908. 1908. <laughs> and I'm Robert, but now. Ah, From yes. the future. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about the... Tunguska event uh, happened June 30th, 1908. Very early in the morning is what I read. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning. It was also over 100 years ago now. Was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. It was. If you think about it for even just a second, you realize it was about 113 years ago, roughly. (laughs) I wonder how they even knew it was early in the morning back then. Did they invent clocks in 1908? All right, this happened near the Tunguska River. (laughs) It has a longer name, but I don't really want to try to pronounce that. So it's the Tunguska River in, in around Siberia, Russia. Okay. So there was a giant explosion, and nobody really knows exactly where it came from or how it happened because there's no crater, and there's no debris, there's not a lot of evidence, there's a lot of burnt trees in an empty space. Cam. I imagine there are some popped birds and dead squirrels that know exactly what happened. Well, they wouldn't anymore since they are blown up. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, they were you know there. what? Let's call them up, Cam. <laughs> and now our fourth guest, a popped squirrel. <laughs> That's 113 years old. Uh, yeah. Right. So it's, this, this blew it's down about down. 80 million trees. You could feel the the shockwave from whatever happened for, I mean, hundreds of miles. At like least all the way 400. into the UK, you could see the effects of this. The light. Which is insane. Let's go further into what happened. Uh, So starting off, there was supposedly a giant airburst is pretty much what we know. We also know that there was heat and radiation with that, but it was possibly from a meteor, which we're gonna get into. Anyway, trees directly below the blast were, whatever happened, were stripped of branches. Other trees were blown out in an arc, what was eventually described as a butterfly shape from the first person who ever actually traveled there. So it wasn't necessarily like a full on circle. It had like a weird form to it. Uh, Though we are missing an impact crater, which is part of where this becomes a weird, confusing mystery on top of all the other things that go on with it. We're gonna get into why, but there's also no ejecta blanket. So you also have no proof that anything actually physically hit the ground. There's literally nothing. Because if it did, it would have shot bits of the ground up into the Everywhere. air away. Right, and there'd be also spotting along the ground, in theory, where other rocks would have come back down. So we're missing a lot of physical it's evidence. It's just nice and flat. Yes. yes, going back to the trees real quick, the, the main proponent of why they think this detonated in the air is because the trees directly below the blast were still standing, but all of the ones ringing outwards were knocked down. Right. The idea being that like the blast went straight down and didn't knock the trees over. Yeah, but they were still stripped of branches and everything else and they were totally scorched, but they were just kind of weird standing pillars yes. in the middle of an otherwise completely wasted landscape. Yeah. And uh, I found conflicting reports about whether or not they found any bits of the thing. There were some that were like, oh, we found these millimeter-sized fragments that might be from something, but it also might just be from the area itself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I found a lot of things like that, too. Yeah, a a big, big point here that makes this really hard to figure out what actually happened is that no one visited this area afterwards for 20 years after this happened. The nearest town was something like 100 miles away? Something. It wasn't very far, but the government didn't want people going there because they were afraid of whatever happened. Mm -hmm. They were worried that it was a dangerous area. Plus, it's a dangerous area in general. This is a swamp. It's a frozen swampland, which is extremely dangerous to trek through and difficult to trek through, especially in the early 1900s where you don't have as much equipment or contact with the outside as you do now. Right. So I think the closest person was about 40 miles away or 30 or 40 because it was a reindeer rancher who was oh, the, one right. of the only uh, casualties because there's nothing out there. Yeah. <laughs> so there was one guy and a bunch of reindeer that were definitely killed. Oh, wow. I didn't read about that. Oh, yeah. A whole yeah. ton of reindeer were killed. Yep. Did because they, like, was... determine a cause of death? He 
I think I read something where, like, he was too close to the blast, so it knocked him back so far, and he was kind of elderly. And he hit a tree. And, yeah, he's not there anymore. (laughs) Um, But pretty much everybody else in the area um, at the time, just, like, they were knocked on their feet, they felt a wave of heat, and all of their windows were shattered. But they they didn't die. Just felt the shockwave but they were so far away that it wouldn't have really affected them that much anyway yeah yeah they, they this actually was very lucky that it uh happened in the middle of nowhere because i was reading something where someone pointed out if whatever this was happened a few hours earlier in the earth's rotation it would have happened above saint petersburg and absolutely obliterated it yeah yeah there's a few people that were also saying even if it had happened a couple seconds earlier it might have completely changed the trajectory so it could have been really bad in a lot of ways and one report even said it could have wiped out modern society oof yeah if it had just been off course just by a little bit they think whatever it was probably could have wiped out like modern society on the planet so awesome yeah we almost got dinosaured yeah There is a theory that um, a lake might actually be the impact site. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so far away from the the obvious ground zero is my problem. I, I think the theory is that like it exploded in midair and then whatever remained like uh, moved through the air sideways. like it hit the earth at an angle. And then created a lake? Yeah. If I was to break this down, I would say it's like when Frieza goes and he punches Goku, but Goku still gets off at Kamehameha, and he gets it off into a certain area, but Goku flies into a mountain, and that mountain's then damaged. Thank you for uh, (laughs) making this accessible to all of our listeners. (laughs) All right, so in the UK, this actually registered on their... Was it the Richter scale at the time? I don't know. I... Don't like I, Robert explain this. Um, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Um, the Richter scale is kind of an uh, like maybe they did a uh, <laughs> please hold. Richter scale was first invented in 1935. Okay, so okay. that's what I thought. I, I thought this fact was really weird. I saw it so in a couple places. What I what I heard in one of the videos is that it triggered as the equivalent of a 5.0 on the Richter scale because they had some way of actually like registering earthquakes and seismic activity at the time but it was like they not the same thing they used to register as far as i know they used to register that with leeches and jars that's not a joke that's a real thing they used to legitimately do that because leeches can sense earthquakes that's what i know they used to use but i don't know when they went And they were like, oh, that's the equivalent of a 5.0. I don't know if it's just like how they move around in the jars or how far up they move. This is a real thing, though. Leeches that live in water will crawl out of the water before an earthquake happens in quite a while before. They can sense it long before anyone can feel it, which is a really weird phenomenon. But they were then used for the study of earthquakes until now we have real science and not not little black critters. Yeah, well, what was it about olden days where they were like, you got a problem? Leeches. <laughs> leeches for literally you got everything. Yes. Leeches. Leeches for you get you like you've got a blood disease that we could probably treat pretty easily. Leeches. Yes. Um, yeah, so I don't really know like how they got that information or if it was just kind of a speculation based on distance. But it, like the thing that I saw was specifically in the UK, they registered something. Right. I'm sure somebody like made a paper where they made the equivalent, and now everybody's just re- like repeating that. Yeah. It might not even be accurate. Often, what happens with conspiracy theories is one blog says one thing, and then everyone copy pastes it to their own. Yep. So I would. Who knows? I would like before we move on, real quick, just to say we didn't finish the lake. Uh, we mentioned the lake, but the reason why the biggest reason why the lake is thought to have been formed because of the event is because it doesn't show up on any maps before the event however this was not a well-trekked area so especially in the early they say it's a fact that there was no lake there but just because it's not on a map does not make it a fact so it's hard to say whether or not the lake was actually there and it's also hard to say within the 20 years what caused the lake to to be created yeah there's 20 years of a gap Oh, so, rivers and lakes and stuff move and dry up 
on their own without our intervention. Well, and who who knows, like, when was the last map actually created for that area? Because I couldn't find anything on that. And I would assume it's somewhere probably like mid-1800s that anyone had explored that area because mm. it doesn't seem like anyone had been there recently. Mm. So it isn't even 20 years that that lake could have formed. We're talking like 70 plus years maybe that the lake could have formed. There's a lot of events that can cause that. And the lake is also not very deep. It's very shallow. That's something that has also been brought up. Yeah, you'd think it would be sort of like deep in the center and then kind of like cone-shaped like or whatever. Well, yeah. And, yeah. It's, and that's really important because, so there was a 2007 peer-reviewed article that came out and it said that the meteorite that we're looking for is actually in the lake. And that came out in 2007. Uh, to go against that, someone else released an article in 2008, also peer-reviewed, that said that the lake is not deep enough for anyone to need to go check because if there was something in there, you'd know. Whereas the 2007 article said that you need to drill into the lake to find it, but it's not deep enough for that. You know, I want to point out real quick, there seems to be a lot of legit peer-reviewed articles of this theory that don't really have a finished theory. Well, yeah. It's... <laughs> They're all like, we had an idea. It's it an... sounds like it could be this, but like it doesn't really explain half of the things that happened, but... This is a peer-reviewed article. <laughs> it's important that since like 1978, we've had peer-reviewed articles consistently about this. This is heavily contested. And a lot of them don't claim to have a final solution. There are some that have like a final answer, right? But then other peer-reviewed articles come out and they don't have one. So That's something of a, a trend that I found also with some of the sillier ones that we'll get into pretty soon, where it's just like aliens. I was like, okay, how? What? No, no, no. Aliens. It's always aliens, Robert. It's always aliens. Welcome to Conspiracy One. It's always aliens. <laughs> it was alien beavers. Okay, Okay, is on. this a random thing, or you have a horrible pun locked and loaded? No, he has horrible puns later. Don't worry. <laughs> um, moving on. So this probably released about 10 to 15 megatons of energy, which is equivalent of many Hiroshima bombs. A thousand. Yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so people were like knocked on the ground, like I said, um, hot, wind, and there's something that I'm going to bring up later with the temperature, which is also very strange. Uh, basically, it was really hot. Broke windows, the whole deal. We talked about it blowing up St. Petersburg. Yeah, so. yeah, it broke windows 400 miles away. That's, that's very important. Yeah, that's to, what I, I, speci- that. I know. I just want to specifically state that, though. <laughs> like, I mean, we're talking shattered windows 400 miles away. And further. Which is insane. Especially because one thing that is weird is that it's there's a certain blast radius. But what I think is weird is they didn't really mention that a lot of the trees on the outer rim have a lot of broken branches or anything either. Granted, we're talking 20 years later again, so it could be that half the trees broke their branches and then started growing back new ones, and you can't tell. Yeah. But it's just one of those things that I think is insane because if heat and pressure is blown out that distance and you only see it in a small area, it's really weird. Hmm. It's very strange. Some some eyewitness stories from people that were sort of in the area. So one guy said that the crash was followed by a noise like stones falling from the sky or guns firing. Yeah, this was a consistent eyewitness account. People saying that it sounded like things were falling to the ground. Which, and yet we didn't find any yeah. but pieces. No one found anything. And no one really says they saw anything. They heard it. So mm-hmm. it sounded like things were falling to because the ground. Because everybody was so far away. Yeah. And most of it was over the horizon for them. Another one. Um, so in 1967... A shaman named Ivan Ivanovich Aksinov, if I say that correctly, admitted that he was only 30 miles south of the explosion, which I don't know if that's true since the reindeer guy died about that distance from it. He said he saw the devil with two eyes in front and a fire behind flying to the south. He observed that the devil was going faster than airplanes now do. Uh, while flying, it was saying true, true, but not loudly. <laughs> he was so shaken that he prayed to Jesus Christ and the Virgin Mary. There's a lot to unpack here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, first, I would like to start with, while flying, it was saying true, true. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what I want to know is how he said that. Like, 
did he, what sound was he actually making? Because I just had to write down the, the, the phrase, true, true. I think this guy saw a train. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I think the Russian government didn't Two want people to front. go there because it destroyed a train and the train tracks. Yeah, and it it's like... through threw a train. Two eyes are like the train headlights, yeah. right? Trains have headlights. Mm-hmm. And then a fire behind is the smoke from the smokestack. Mm-hmm. And it's going faster than airplanes, which airplanes at that point went about like 100 miles an hour, so which is pretty fast. airplanes do now. Oh, then airplanes do now, and he said this in the 60s. Mm-hmm. That is actually pretty fast. Yeah. I'm just going to assume this shaman didn't have a great sense of the speed of mechanical objects. Well, speaking of the word shaman... Uh, why did he pray to Jesus Christ and the Virgin Mary if he had his own religious beliefs? Well, he, their religious beliefs might incorporate Jesus. Jesus was pulled over into a lot of religious beliefs. I do love this story, though. I found it in a history magazine. It's, it's so insane. I definitely believe this guy saw it. I, I believe that maybe he was 30 miles out. Remember, this was more like a butterfly arc, mm-hmm. so the pressure wouldn't have been the same in all directions. Which means if someone gets killed 40 miles away, doesn't mean someone in a different direction is going to get killed 30 miles away. So that works for me. But I definitely think he's probably terrified and saw some things that weren't actually there. Uh, I also am just taking it now as canon that he really believed in shamanism and they didn't have Jesus. He just got so scared he became Christian. <laughs> it's like the scene from the from the Brendan Fraser mummy where he's got like every single yes. type of like, religious I'm artifact. Just gonna, <laughs> yes. I'm just going to keep running through these and, to, and like and then the beast stopped saying true true and spitting fire. Like the train went around a corner and he was like as he was playing to Jesus and he's like, oh, I guess I'm Catholic now. All right. Um, yeah, so that's fun. Who knows what that story means. But there are a lot of people who say they saw things. But the biggest thing that everyone saw for like, I don't know, over like a quarter of the planet was a weird glow in the sky for like weeks after. Yeah, the sky was split in half is what people said. Yeah, and people as far as as far away in like the UK were saying they were able to read the paper at midnight outside. It was like that bright. Wow. Yeah. And so it was, I guess, the most noticeable over Asia and Europe. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation as to what that could be. But the aftermath was huge. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just impressed so many people could read the paper at night because I didn't think that many people could read at this time. (laughs) Illiteracy illiteracy was a real pandemic at the time. All right. You know, we're going to get we're going to get so many tweets from people in the 1910s talking about how (laughs) chronologist you are. Yeah, Cameron. Okay, so speaking of the aftermath, uh, there, like we mentioned already, there was no real investigation or expedition that actually went out to the area until 1927, when one guy, uh, Leonid Kulik, who got wind of this event, I think in 1921, and then he was like saving up money and collecting stories and all that kind of thing until 1927 when he was finally able to get out there do his thing he had to essentially beg the russian government to let him go out there they didn't want him to go out there because or didn't want to send a party with him because of how dangerous the area is because they didn't want him finding the truth but it's also again frozen swampland so it's not... That sounds like a terrible comedy. Yeah, it's not a good place to go. I mean, he describes later that like, the ground is extremely soft at all times. Gross. Yeah, so... Yeah, you know what's the, like, the worst place I would want to be? Is like somewhere tied between a swamp and the Arctic. Yeah. And this is both. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so basically what he was expecting to find was a huge crater and like a whole bunch of like meteorite pieces and when he got there there was nothing uh he found nothing that he was looking for he didn't really find any conclusive evidence but he went back i think three times he went back multiple times yeah Yeah, he went all the way up until uh world war i always forget the years two started yeah he so i want to this is important, though, because it was really his first expedition that we really got most of the information from. He didn't really say much else on the other expeditions, just because he was kind of seeing the same thing, and it was aging 20 years. It aged another 20 years by the time he did his final expedition. So there wasn't really much to report after that, 
other than everything kind of going away. So I want to get into like what he actually reported when he was there, hmm. which again, an important part of this is that it's swampland. Uh, so he, he says the ground is soft, which is really, really important because he originally is one of the first people to theorize that something exploded overhead and never actually touched the ground because he would have expected to find something there, regardless of how soft the ground is. But if something exploded overhead, then what he thinks is any remnants of that, any shrapnel, it would have gone into the ground and then lost, especially within 20 years' time, where you have changing seasons consistently, snow's coming in, and the ground is just going to take any evidence oh, you like, have. You're, so you're saying like 20 summers later, where during the three months that it's not frozen there... All of your evidence is gone. Yeah, and plus, I mean, the amount of winter storms you have in that 20 years. I mean, we're talking about Siberia. Like, we've already talked about how dangerous Russia is in the winter with the Dyatlov Pass episode. It's extremely dangerous. There's a lot going on there at all times. But he also mentions that the ground is rippled. And this, I think, is very important. They're big ripples. It's not like little tiny dinky ripples. Like, we're talking like some areas have like full on ripples and then it moves outward and outward. When you mean ripples, you mean like like hills and valleys? Yeah. Like, like, like something pushed from the middle out ah. in a butterfly shape, which again is his specific terminal. But yeah, he was the first person to actually theorize that something blew up overhead, which I'm impressed for for 1927 because. I don't feel like that would have been everybody's first thought. Like, I feel like we would have gone back to the shaman guy that was like, God and the devil. Not, not a meteor explodes overhead. Well, his initial thought was there would be a crater. Right. So then he had to come up with something else. <laughs> but I'm just saying, he shows up and he immediately switches, which is impressive. We didn't him. even get any aerial photos over the area until 1938. Which then just uh, solidified the butterfly shape. I mean, maybe it's just because I... Like, um, I didn't hear about this butterfly shape thing, but all the things that I'm looking at where it's like, oh, this is the area where it happened, it's a circle. Now, the the, the, very the main remaining part. area is a circle, which I think speaks to... There, there's the idea that radiation was pretty heavy after the event, and I think that could speak to the radiation, because this area that's this full circle, like we have a picture in our outline, we'll put it up in our newsletter, but if you look, it's not a perfect circle, and it's kind of oblong, but it, it is heavily just barren. There's no trees there anymore. Nothing's grown in the area since this event happened. There's no trees, there's minimal plants, and most of the time animals and insects don't go through it anymore. Right, which usually indicates radiation anyway. Because usually they don't go in heavily radiated areas unless they have to for any reason. But I think what this speaks to is maybe a heavy hit of radiation somewhere near the middle arced outwards and then didn't catch the edges of the original shape that um i i agree with that because i also think i was going to save this for a little later but i think that's what the glow is because yeah. like the northern lights there's just radiation striking the earth's um magnetosphere and if something radioactive exploded in our atmosphere mm -hmm. then the same thing would presumably happen oh mm -hmm. yeah i didn't think about that um right so basically after this guy stopped doing his uh, expeditions in the late 30s, they didn't have another one until the 50s. Um, and there is where they find all the weird, like you were saying, the microscopic pieces. Initially is where they found all of that. Uh, so the expeditions on that one found microscopic glass spheres in the siftings of the soil. And even like really far from where the crater was supposed to be. And the chemical analyses showed that they contained high amounts of nickel and iridium, which are metals usually found in meteorites, and it suggests extraterrestrial origin. As in aliens. not from Earth. As in not from aliens. Earth. Aliens. Not necessarily aliens. I mean, alien <laughs> rocks. And there was higher than normal radiation, which we have now have proven in the 1950s. Uh, now imagine what that was like 50 years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably even higher radiation. Uh, aliens. Anyway, there were more analyses <laughs> of the soil samples, and they also found globules, like, um, they contained nickel, cobalt, copper, and germanium, and they were all, like, some of them were, like, fused together, and these elements don't really fuse unless it's at, like, extremely high temperatures. And it's important. Like, 30 million degrees or more. Yeah, and it's important <laughs> that this is all on a microscopic level, because... 
we didn't have the ability to see it on the first expeditions, which is why he would think that there's no trace evidence, because for 1927, there is no trace evidence. You can't find what they're finding later on. But it also, I, I just think it's funny, like, I like going back to Kulik because he was right in a lot of ways. It goes back to, like, the hollow earth theory and how, who was it? Uh, it was me. I was on that episode. It was you. You were on that episode. <laughs> you theorized. You I did. Episode. <laughs> uh, Episodes. It was Haley. It was, ah. yeah, he had theorized, like, all these things about hollow earth, and he was mostly right. And Kulik kind of falls in that same category. But he was really just theorizing the layers of the earth. Right. But <laughs> yeah, Kulik falls into a similar category where he's right. Like, in theory, there's no, like, physical trace evidence because you can't see it. You don't know we what don't you know can't see right. at the time. There is no I'm saying, of anything on this. I'm saying he's right about, in, in terms of, like, there being no evidence for what they could see at the time and how there might be something that had popped overhead. Yeah. But I just think it's funny because a lot of the current theories are what he originally theorized. So, yeah, anyway. that's, that's pretty much... Most of the aftermath. Yeah. The actual expeditions. Now let's talk about some theories. Yeah. I Some of these I'm just so, so happy that I found. I <laughs> never would have thought anyone would think some of these. Yeah, there are actually a lot of theories with this one that have come up. Like, yeah. basically what they say, what the, it's kind of like the consensus for what happened is like a meteorite or... A comet or asteroid something blew up overhead and caused this to happen. But there are alternate ideas. There are. So one of the first theories, uh, it's actually one of the more recent theories, is from the Siberian Federal University. It's from students there who wrote a peer-reviewed article talking about how what they think happened is that an iron meteor, their words, you passed over uh, Siberia and partially kind of blew up uh more like it blew a whole pressure point so pieces of it would have come off and this happened while it was grazing the earth so it would have entered the atmosphere at an angle and then flown through the atmosphere leaving the atmosphere and we haven't seen it since which is why we don't know what it was uh this basically is accounting for comets typically made of ice and it's accounting for the vaporization of water at about 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So an ice meter, meteor would have traveled roughly 186 miles through the atmosphere before it completely went away, before it would have completely vaporized. So they don't think it could have been a comet due to the fact that it wouldn't have made it through the atmosphere and out. And there's not enough trace evidence to show that it could have been a comet in that case. So they think that an iron meteor, roughly football stadium size, came through, pieces of it broke off, and that caused pressure to blow out over Siberia, flattening the trees. Was this one from 2020? I don't remember which year it was from. Okay, because I found something that's a similar theory. But, uh, no, because the one you found was different. There were different names on it okay. than this one. Uh, I'll talk about that next, just to kind of bounce A lot of this. the theories are very <laughs> similar. They just differ slightly. Uh, this also accounts for the dust because of it's trailing through pieces of the atmosphere and it's coming straight through and then leaving, it would have left a huge dust trail that could have, as people said, split the sky. Ah. So that's what they're accounting for. Uh, what it what they don't mention though is the absence of trees today. They don't talk about the radiation and they don't really bring up the heat either. They kind of mention the heat just the fact that this thing would have been at hundreds possibly thousands of degrees while traveling through the atmosphere which is why it would have had to have been iron because it would have survived i think they said roughly 5200 degrees fahrenheit is what the iron could have survived at mm -hmm. so it would have made it all the way through earth's atmosphere completely disappeared but left pieces of itself then like microscopic quantities but they don't really talk about the radiation either they leave that out yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's peer-reviewed papers. And then they're like, I don't know, this doesn't really explain that part, but, you know, here's a theory. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, radiation coming off of an alien body wouldn't be surprising, so they might just be accounting for that. So you're saying, but... like, a gray was running through the forest <laughs> just kind of blew up? We call them graylands. Whatever. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you done with that one? Yeah, that's okay. just one of the theories. That's... Because I found I, this may or may not be the same thing, but I don't think this one was a Russian study. But this is a new one from 2020, uh, released April-ish, I think. 
So there's basically the same thing. They're saying that it had to be iron for it to have actually survived and not landed. Mm-hmm. Um, but their theory is basically the same. It's a grazer. They're saying a large iron asteroid entered Earth's atmosphere, skimmed the planet, and then it kind of just bounced back into space. Um, there's a whole bunch of math here. They're saying it was probably about 320 to 650 feet across. I don't know how big a football stadium is, but I'm not going to well, try to figure it out. It's bigger than 300 feet because football stadium has to hold at least 100 so yards. it's probably larger than so, a football stadium then, yeah. right? Well... Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're saying it probably flew about 1,800 miles through the atmosphere, and it never really dropped very far. And then it kind of just like, I don't know, I, I, they don't really say how it bounces back up. It just it actually through. entered the atmosphere. I don't know what they bounced off of. Actually, the um, there are instances of things bouncing off of atmospheres because mm. it's like you're moving through vacuum and yeah. then all of a sudden you're hitting drag on one side, which slows this side down, spinning you out and away. Yeah, but I think this said it entered the atmosphere. Yeah. So what did it bounce off of? This The one that I read also said they went through. So it didn't bounce. The one that I read, it went literally through the atmosphere. One end, out the other. But I don't know what it hit then to go back out into space. Well, yeah, that's why these are that's just That's my theories. problem. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point because it's like... So imagine if like the from ground to the boundary of space, they're saying it like went about a, uh, 11 kilometers, which is only a 10... Like ten percent above the Earth. Yeah, it's very deep in the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah they said upper atmosphere. So this one says it was a relatively low altitude that mm. it went down to, and then went back out into space. But like, I want to know what what it bounced off of. What air? Well, the UFO. I mean, a lot of what That's I read. One later. It's not that it bounced. It's that it gets caught, goes through, and just yeah, keeps going. I don't know. It's not. It's not coming in at an angle that's sufficient to pull in how big the rock actually is. So it's not sufficient to pull it into the earth, but it's coming in at an angle that's enough to pull it in and then out. So in other words, this is the one I read is the one that said if it had been off just a little bit, it possibly would have like ended society. Yeah. Because we're talking about a huge body that was enough to wipe out 80 million trees. Well, this one was saying too, that it explains the dust trails as the light because the iron dust trails would reflect a lot of light too um yeah but then they said at the very end they realized this doesn't acknowledge the shock wave <laughs> and i mean the heat probably would have come off of it after entering the atmosphere but like again there is no conclusion for everything <laughs> yeah because yeah. if, I, I, if I'm to understand this theory correctly, it's basically that it doesn't, like, lose any pieces or, like, it maybe vaporizes a little bit. Yeah. But it just moves through. There's no, like, incident. There's no explosion. Yeah. It just kind of, like, grazers actually happen. I mean, they they come partially into Earth and then leave. But this, yeah, I guess they're just saying that the reason why they found um, extraterrestrial microscopic elements in the ground around there is because of the trails from the grazer. Oh. Mm. See, the, the report that I read, the, the different one that I read, it actually does account for the evidence and accounts for the shockwave. Because what they think is that the shockwave is a piece of it breaking off. And that what you're finding is that it was small enough to where there's no physical evidence left behind, so you have no meteorite, but you have enough of a shockwave when it explodes in the air. So basically... Comes over Earth, peace breaks off, goes over Siberia, pops, causing the pressure, leaving very minuscule evidence, if any. Since meteor showers are also not something that are uncommon in this area. That's also so what about Tesla? What did he do? This is my favorite one. <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> Sorry to give the game away right off the bat, but... At this time, Tesla was working on remote-controlled weapons. Like, he was very big on, like, the wireless power idea. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've got this little generator over here, and I flick these switches, and the robot moves. <laughs> um, and he actually did have some, like, little prototypes and was working on, um, I believe, an aerial... Like, he, he had some, like, boat ones that would work and was working on aerial drones that would work. He was working on a sort of wireless torpedo called a telautomaton. <laughs> And which was a remote controlled boat that he offered to the US Navy. And he also had made an airborne version, so there was like a plane and a boat, I'm guessing. Yes. Um, Wireless. <laughs> but like this was all, like he was all working on that. Um, on the other side of the planet, 
No. He was in New York when this happened. And um, there's another conspiracy that actually made me guffaw. It's that this was all a communications attempt that Tesla was trying to communicate with his friend who was in Siberia. And it arrived in an explosion. And if you were there, you would have heard the explosion say, hey, Alexi, it's Tesla. Call me back. What? <laughs> yes. But instead it came through as true, true. Yep. Ah, ah, there you go. <laughs> I just, it, it's such a silly concept and people are just like, Tesla was around at the time and he was into some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. people still believe this. Some people, I've, I've read some parts where they say that, um, I guess he had, like, uh, I didn't look up the name of it. He had that giant tower that he's famous for, mm-hmm. and then it didn't really work. But if he had, like, he was capable of putting out, like, millions of watts of power or something like that. But it was, like, over a certain amount of time. And so, like, they were saying if it had malfunctioned and done that at the right moment, he could have sent, like, ball lightning somewhere. And I guess they're saying that it, he sent it to Russia, and it blew up over the Siberian nothingness. I kind of like the idea that he's sending a message to his friend, though. I like the idea yeah. that in the in the trees that got stripped of branches in the middle, that didn't actually fall, that there was a man standing right there. And that when that pressure came in, it just flattened him. <laughs> With a nice message to a friend. And Tesla was just like, well... On to the next one. <laughs> Maybe right underneath it was Alexi. And it's just like, oh, this automatically finds him. Yeah. Um, some people also say it was a weapons test by Tesla. Yes. Um, but I don't know if he really made weapons necessarily. Did he? Well, I mean, like the the torpedo and stuff, yes. But But it's not really like a blowy-uppy thing. Not really. <laughs> that's that's the same as like, oh, it's, a, it's maybe an early atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. It's like... Well, probably not. Yeah, well, that's the next one is basically uh, government distrust. Maybe Russia was testing nuclear or atomic weapons around that area and blew up an entire 400 mile radius. Um, I mean, I'm not really like, going to go into that more because, you know, you know how these conspiracies go. Yeah. <laughs> the government was testing nuclear weapons and they didn't tell anybody, which is why they didn't want anybody to go out there for 20 years. And then. Wasn't they, that one of the theories in Dyatlov? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. usually is in most In Dyatlov, it at least <laughs> makes sense because they'd already been testing nuclear weapons in those areas. Yeah, this and isn't on like. Their own people. 40 years before the first successful nuclear test. I mean, yeah, this would be quite a while before. To mm-hmm. be fair, there's a theory that uh, atomic bombs have been around longer than we think because there was supposed evidence in some historical site that a civilization might have accidentally nuked themselves. Wait, what? Yeah, that's a, that's a conspiracy. Okay, well, I, I wrote but, down naturally yeah. occurring nuclear blasts, but I didn't look into it, so is that what you... Uh, is it like a naturally occurring In theory, occurring it's kind of like an accidental thing. Yeah. Ah. But I don't really think we're seeing like a nuclear bomb here. No, I, I, I don't know. There's, there's, I feel like that would have been much more radiated. I don't think it would yeah. have blotted out the sky in the way they said it did. It, it also wouldn't be a thousand times more powerful than the version we eventually got. Yeah. Like 30 years later. <laughs> Unless it was just like... Aliens. An atom hug where they all accidentally broke each other's hearts. What? Did you check his cup for alcohol? I didn't. Well, now you can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, the Russian government's lying to you. That's another one. Uh, of course, like we always say, it's fucking aliens. <laughs> but the funny thing with this alien theory, it was actually proposed by a science fiction writer and then some actual Russian scientists got behind it. I love when that happens. Oh, yeah, that does fit. Yeah. It does work. So a science fiction writer named Alexander Kazantsev uh, speculated in 1946 that the event had been caused by the explosion of a nuclear-powered spaceship. Um, and then a bunch of other Russian scientists got behind it. And so basically it was an alien ship crash landing, but then there was no sign of it because they collected all their pieces and built a new ship again. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> That's the only way I could make sense of this. Um and so basically, a lot of the reason why people think it's aliens is because there's a lot of nuclear, like, radiation in the area. 
So it was obviously like a spaceship, right? Obviously. That's um, the only place nuclear radiation comes from. Yeah. But I, then, like, my favorite part. Sorry. We're no, go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's another theory that aliens may have crashed their ship into the asteroid to save us. <laughs> yes. I oh love that God. one. I love it. So basically, again, this was proposed by a Russian scientist. Uh, he says he found unusual quartz crystals at the site. Ten of them had holes in them. And once you place them in a certain order, they create a chain and have other drawings on them. Um, well, there's no way that anybody in the area ever invented jewelry before no, this point. No. So basically, he said, we don't have any technologies that can print such kind of drawings on crystals. Uh, they also found ferrum silicate that cannot be produced anywhere except in space. He says that when you lay the stones in a certain order, they form a map. And it might be part of a navigational system of spaceship navigation. I don't really think you can say something forms a map unless you know for sure that it is a map. He like, says it's you a know map. It goes he is a scientist. <laughs> and it's a map, okay? They form a perfect shape of some kind. It's like it's like taking like a three year old's drawing and be like, it's a map. It's a map. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe if we go to this like tri- rectangular house with a cone on top, there'll be treasure there. Yeah. Um I don't know how he says that these crystals prove that an alien spaceship crashed their ship into the asteroid. But, I mean, that's literally all I found is he, he found a map of quartz crystals. Okay. Yep. Did he have a picture? Um, I think there actually was a picture, and I will try to find that again and post it. Interesting. Yes. So in uh, I, I this was just like a little uh, website that I uh, did not find to be very authentic, but... It was like a report in 2004 that like, oh my God, we went back to the Tunguska site and we dug up some alien bits. And it's like, it's like all this, this metal and, and weird stuff. It was bricks of an alien spaceship. I'm sorry. I didn't read that part. Bricks. bricks? Yes. Because not like, not like that's bricks, how you'd like make that a that spe- kind of material, but like the shape. Bricks, like just like rectangular. Bricks. Uh, okay. Um, but also this like... <laughs> completely ignores the fact that the entire area is where um like when uh russia was entering the space race like they would have rockets with multiple stages and those stages would fall off at a certain point and those stages fall into the middle of siberia because there's no one there yes so that's probably what they were basically this whole area is kind of a dumping ground for space debris and ship debris and test flights because there's nothing there. <laughs> so that's probably just what they found. But I do love the fact that in 2004, it was all like, oh my God, it's aliens. Again. I would like to bring up that in terms of an alien crash, I wanna show you guys this thing real quick. Okay, so there's, this is the shape of like Cheka. We'll put this in our newsletter. But if you look, it goes deeper at an angle. And if it was formed by an alien crash, it could have crashed, like you see how it could skew along the ground and then hit there, because there's a further drop off here where it looks like something's skidding across the ground to the deeper point. So, so you're saying the lake was formed by a UFO. I'm saying that in one last attempt to get their UFO to not crash, they blasted radiation, like a whole pulse of energy that had radiation right into this area, but it didn't get them off enough, just enough to go crash somewhere else. They formed a lake, and then they eventually got out their new submarine and made it not a submarine anymore and went back to space. A space marine. Or a super marine. Or they never actually got it off the ground. They all died in the crash, and the Russian government knew this and wouldn't let expeditions go to that area for 20 years for that reason. Because it took them 20 years to collect all the alien bits. Again, ah. if it's big enough to destroy 80 million trees and make a lake, it would probably take a while. Yeah. It would probably take a while to clean that up. Plus, you want to be really thorough about that. You don't want to like have some random bits of tinfoil with writing on it showing up in some farmer's backyard. <laughs> no, not at all. Yes. Weather balloon. <laughs> Sorry. Next one. I have no information. Laser beam from another galaxy. That's all the information you need, really. Yep. Why galaxy? Like, what? (laughs) That seems so specific. It said another star system, another galaxy. I don't know. Laser beam. And it just shot Just like a death ray from another place. 
Oh, so speaking of death rays, some people think that Tesla was building a death ray and that he tested it. I forgot about that. Oh, right. Yes. My bad. He was building a death ray. He was? Well. In what capacity? Yes. That if you get in front of it, you'll die. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, it's sort of in the same way that, like, any laser could be a death ray. Or any car could be a death car. Yeah, you could just like okay. if you die in a thing, it's a death thing. If you throw the broken chair at someone, it becomes a death chair. Possible death chair. Possible it's almost death a death chair. chair for you. Yeah. At first, it's just an assault chair, but then it becomes a death chair. Yeah, exactly. Sweet Jesus. Yeah, that's about it. I just laser beam. What about black holes? Okay, so in 1973, American physicists suggested that a tiny black hole collided with Earth's atmosphere causing a matter-antimatter explosion. I don't really know that enough about black holes to say yay or nay. Cam, mm-hmm. you did a bunch of research on this? Yeah, I mean, what... What? I, first of all, we don't really know how black holes work. Let's just say that right off the bat. Uh, we also don't really know how antimatter works or if it does. But what this essentially is the idea of is that we're talking like micro, 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 micro black hole. Like super tiny we're talking about something like that popping like coming into earth popping and causing a mass spread of energy which would be radiation heat and pressure mm-hmm. but it doesn't really account for the dust in the sky unless it released a bunch of dust well the radiation could have been the like just floating around and hitting the uh, magnetosphere. Yeah, but they they said that there was like literal dust in the sky, which accounts for the sounds that people were hearing too of like rocks falling. Didn't it say for like months though? Yeah, it was a while. It was a while. Yeah, but it, it's an interesting idea. It's one of those things where it's like black holes are something that we don't really know how they work. Like the idea of like uh, what are they super colliders? Where like some people are afraid that if you open like if you Turn on a super collider. If you turn it on, you might create a black hole that will destroy everything. Yep. And that's there are some people afraid of that. The Simpsons made an episode about it. It's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things where like people don't really know how they work, so you can make up any theory about how it happens. There, there's a very good documentary on Netflix about the Higgs boson, and which is what they were trying to find with the super collider. Yeah. And listening to the scientists, they're like, oh, have you, have you heard about this... Uh, thing where people are worried that there's going to be a black hole like watching them all face palm is hilarious yeah yeah i read another thing i don't know if it's related at all but it's a their theory is it's a black hole of substellar mass those words don't mean much to me um such as those that have been theorized by hawking um and they're saying that the air around and passing through the black hole could heat between 10,000 and 100,000 degrees Celsius, and a black hole would also shoot out an ass load of uh, ultraviolet radiation. Did Hawking use the word ass load? No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> this is my theory. <laughs> you know what? Uh, having like seen some talks with him, he's probably used. I'm sure when it, before he <laughs> yeah. wrote it, he was like ass load. No, no, no. not ass load. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it doesn't really cover everything. I guess that they're trying to say that that's why there's no impact crater, you know, because it's just a black hole that went and then went back or left. I don't know. Disintegrated. I saw something that said disintegrated black hole. Oh, maybe it was a conscious black hole that was like, I'm going to visit. And then he shows up and he's like, oh, fuck, no. And he's like destroying everything. And he's got to leave. <laughs> it's like Siberia is awful. <laughs> why are the trees running away? I just want to be friends. <laughs> oh. Another planet of people who don't like bl- substellar black holes. Uh, anyway, the so next theory. The, the next, uh, and I think the most likely, is that the Earth farted. Thank you, Robert. Yep. This wasn't mine. I found this. I'm not purporting this. Uh, so basically, the, the theory runs that like there was a pocket of natural gas that released all at once and was just hanging around the area and was ignited by lightning. Jesus. It, that doesn't answer like most of the questions from this event. Like it doesn't answer the radiation. Like kind of it answers the pattern if it was like right above the trees. Yeah. But 
it doesn't answer why the sky would glow. I love that. It's just so what, a, what a silly. coincidence that would be, you know? Yes. I mean, Jesus Christ. They're actually real. They're called Vern shots, named after Jules Vern. So it does happen. What? Natural grass getting ignited by lightning? Yeah. Yeah, but not uh, like that big, though. No. No. Yeah. Not usually, <laughs> but... Speaking of natural phenomenon, I saw another thing that said maybe it was ball lightning. But even that, I don't feel like that would have blasted that far. Yeah, this is, like, I keep going back to this. Like, in order to make this size and produce this energy, it has to be thousands of nuclear bombs. Yeah. Like, That's a lot. huge. <laughs> One ambitious explosion. I also um, really, really need to have somebody explain to me about how a scientist from the future might have caused this. Oh, sweet fuck. Don't enable him. So here, so we already talked about black holes. Uh, I would like to bring them back up. Like we, like I said, we don't know how they work. Okay? Not completely. But I would like to just say that there's a possibility that a future scientist, not from now even, from the future, okay, that he sneezed. Now hear me out. While working with black holes, he opens one up and it becomes a pathway to Siberia because there are some theories that black holes will lead you from one side to the other, right? Yeah. It's like the idea of flattening space. But maybe he did this and he accidentally opened up this path to the past Siberia, right? Now, then, as soon as it opens, he's looking into it. He can't contain himself. He accidentally sneezes. Sneezes straight into the black hole, goes out the other end, flattens all the trees because the black hole builds pressure, creates an immense force out of the sneeze. And this guy, this 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 guy, he heard true true. Maybe he heard someone just go true, like sneeze. <laughs> Therefore, causing this massive flattening. Now, what's all the dust? That's just the dust from the lab, most likely, and it also went through the black hole. No, his sneezes were radioactive. That's what we're, that's what I'm going with. Well, the black hole was radioactive. Obviously, it you know the air pressure just kind of pulled that out with it. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, all right. Yep, that's the most likely answer. Yep. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's possible. It was well, we already know what camp. The is. temporal sneeze. I mean, listen, was it a train that the man heard or a sneeze? <laughs> well, I guess we don't know. I have eyewitness testimony to go along with mine. Okay. So. All right. So um, well, while I was researching this, I found a similar event that happened kind of recently um, that didn't have nearly the amount of devastation. It basically, there was just a meteor trail that lit up across the sky but suddenly it brought back everyone going like, oh my God, aliens are here again. It's more weapons tests. Tesla's dead now, so it's probably not him. <laughs> like, it just brought everything back up and there was like one official who was like, it was an American uh, weapons test. I mean, a Chinese test. I don't know, who knows? <laughs> and I'm like, this wow, you are the leader of a major party in Russia, good job. This happened in 2013, um, and a bunch of people decided that, oh, this must be a sign of the Mayan apocalypse that will have been coming on December 21st, 2012. Right. Oh, like it was late. Well, that's the thing. It's like, they're like, oh, it's a sign of the Mayan apocalypse. and But that happened like, that would have happened three months before. Maybe it just got up late. Yeah, it was like, a, oh, shit, the apocalypse. Oh. And it was like in such a hurry to get its boots on that it sneezed itself all over the sky. Oh, there. Now you're coming up with weird theories. Meteors sneezing? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it wasn't the boots thing that did it for you. No, the boots are fine, okay? Rocks can wear boots. I'm not, I'm not going to discriminate against who can wear boots and who oh can't. Oh, my God. Now I want my icon for the show to be just an, a meteor with, like, little cowboy boots kicking oh around. Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> Is, okay, you're done with that one? Yes, okay. I'm done with that. So basically, um, I also read, if we want to get really ominous, 
Uh, events like this are expected to happen once every century or so. And it's been about a century, so I guess we're due for another one. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't strike a major city. I, I did want to bring up, actually, like the, the Chelyabinsk meteor. This is a good example, though, of how devastating a meteor can be very easily. Because like, like you said, it didn't really do much. But it did cause 1,491 indirect injuries. And damaged 7,200 buildings and collapsed an entire factory roof. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. No, it was, it, it destroyed, like, at least, like, from an economic standpoint, like, obliterated pieces of Russia but without, like, actually killing anyone. But it caused a lot of injuries and damaged buildings, things they were cleaning up forever. And this is from this tiny thing that barely did anything. And that's why this is such an easily devastating, scary thing. Because, like, people always say, like, what if a meteor comes down and hits, like, part of California? Then it that's... falls into the ocean, finally. Yeah. <laughs> Sooner than it's supposed to. Depending on the size, it might just blow up. Yeah. Like, the Earth, I mean. Not just yeah. California. Yeah. yeah. Like, California we'll plus everything. Yes. Yeah. And if it's... In California just... won't be just alone in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always love the idea, too, that if it's, like, just in the right place, like the meteor, that you you might be able to see it coming early, if you can literally see it. You can see the effects of it, probably, but there's a possibility that you won't. There's oh, a yeah, I read about dark asteroids. Yes. That's fucking and scary. And there's also dark planets, too, which I find terrifying, because those are... Those are really scary. But I read it was They're just, just because free floating planets. Yes. The angle of the sun, like you, it glares off of it too much to where it just gets washed out and then you can't detect it. What the fuck? <laughs> this is why space is scary. You can detect its yeah. presence though, because at least we Shut have up, things Robert. to detect. <laughs> and I'm gonna go there one day and I'm gonna beat space into submission. All right, you tell us if the moon landing happened. <laughs> <laughs> we already did that. Um, I love this, and Robert, you will probably like this. I don't know if you remember this episode. Please, d- yes, describe because I don't, and I am skeptical. Okay. These are my skepticals. Good lord. Okay. <laughs> um, so I guess apparently, uh, in Star Trek, Robert doesn't remember um, the Tunguska event is seen as the result of Vulcan goodwill. And a devastating meteor, meteor was headed toward Western Europe, and a Vulcan survey ship deflected it into the relatively uninhabited forest of Russia. What episode was this from? I, don't know, I didn't say. I just said in Star Trek. Oh, it just said in Star I, Trek. This it is, is from a book. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Ah, okay. Yep. It's also in a Ugh, who book readers. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I read that, and yeah. I like that they. That they kind of just pushed forward the the alien spaceship, pushed it to save humanity. I also love that, like, this highly advanced spaceship is just sort of like, well, we're still going to let it hit the planet, but not, like, in Western Europe. That's where the white people live. What? Why are you clenching your fists? (laughs) (laughs) In DC Comics, it's been mentioned multiple times. Uh, Same with Marvel. Actually, Marvel's been mentioned a lot. It's been mentioned in a lot of things. Uh, But... In DC Comics, Justice League of America 199, the Lord of Time apparently mentions it as an event that is similar to what happened in the Grand Canyon. But then, in Wait. Wonder Woman 324... Wait, I know, no. I know. In Wonder Woman 324, <laughs> it then gets explained as an extraterrestrial craft crash, and the survivors were emerging as gremlins. Cool. Uh, Wait. And then in Booster Gold... Uh, who's a time traveler, it, he just goes to visit Tunguska and he goes there to be alone and then he happens to be there at the wrong point because that's when the explosion happens. Wait, back up for a second. Yeah. So are you saying that this explosion that flattened thousands of trees, blew out windows, and burnt a bunch of shit is from water erosion? Yes. No, 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 no. The gradual there, water erosion over time. Okay, okay, y'all, flip that. They're saying that the Grand Canyon was caused by a similar explosion. It's miles long. Okay, well and you order you you argue with the Lord of Time. Okay. I'll yeah, go. all right. Get his ass over here. He's I, always here. I've got some debate, debating points. You could almost say he's there every second of the day. 
Wow, you're funny. Okay, so in X-Files, <laughs> I also mentioned in an episode called Tungaska, where a military expedition mining meteoric, meteoric remains discovers a black oil harboring alien microbes capable of possessing human bodies. Scratch what I said before. This is my favorite theory. Yeah, you gotta love X-Files. <laughs> I love how they just overblow everything. Yep. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I just wanted to bring up some pop culture theories because I think they're funny. Yep. I think that's about it, really. That is the, that's everything. Yeah, we've yeah. gone over it all. Um, for me, at least, I think it's the... the Glancing off the asteroid theory that seems to have the most scientific backup, um, I did want to toss out one little idea that I had. Um, this is just me making it up on the fly. Don't worry, there's no sneezing time lords. But, um, <laughs> oh no, that wasn't put directed at you, Cameron. Uh huh. I didn't say time lord. So you've got a boot wearing sneezing meteor. <laughs> And sneezing Time Lords. And sneezing to who end. seems crazy. Yeah, no, where do you think that the Time Lord got the cold? I could see that being a Doctor Who episode. It absolutely could be oh, a yeah. Doctor Who episode. If it's not already. No, but my little theory is, so there are, um, like, most substances have a point, I'm pretty sure all substances, have a point at which they will, like, explosively combust if the temperature reaches enough. My, like... Dumb little theory is that we were going to be hit by an asteroid, but the temperature of the material reached a certain point where it just vaporized. And that's where all the dust and radiation, etc., comes from. And and you know what I have to back that up? Absolutely nothing. Great. As most things with this, that's the reason why it's still kind of a conspiracy and why there's like 500 different things, is nothing is really entirely conclusive with this Tungaska event, which is why it's just called the Tungaska event. It's not the Tunguska meteor or the Tunguska failed nuclear experiment. It's just an event. The thing that happened. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you think, Cameron? <laughs> Did you come up with another fringe theory? No. I'm just bracing myself. I didn't over think here. of anything to do with fire beavers. Now. Explain. What I. The fire beavers? Yes, please. <laughs> Just quickly, you have 30 seconds. Here, I think time. what happened is that Kulik showed up to the area to find out what happened with this explosion, but as it turns out, the explosion actually had nothing to do with what was going on with the trees. Instead, he finds a bunch of special beavers that all emit too much heat, kind of like a Komodo dragon's breath, which can get really, really hot. Now, these beavers have been That's burning nice. the trees and destroying the area for centuries, but Kulik doesn't want anyone to know this, so he secretly tells people that there's just nothing there. 30 seconds done. I don't know why I thought it was going to link into to anything. No, I, I legitimately think that probably uh, we're talking like a meteor that I, I think I like the report that I saw where someone said that the meteor entered through the upper atmosphere left. But when it was in here, it released a piece of itself, which then under the pressure exploded, causing the mass amount of pressure and heat, probably radiation as well. And I think there's there's an obvious explosion of pressure due to a lot of things, but I think in the actual area itself, the ripples are huge. It's the, I mean, you throw a rock in water, you're gonna get the same effect. In fact, if you throw a rock in anything that's like not too viscous, but like kind of like those muddy type of grounds, you can get that same ripple effect. So I think that's probably what I thought you were about to make a marshmallow into water joke again. No. <laughs> That would be ridiculous. That would be stupid. Now, what's not ridiculous, and we will put a picture of him in, I would like everyone to re-look at Kulik, because he is the coolest fucking dude. He does seem pretty cool. Look how fucking cool he is. He's got those round Harry Potter frames. I was telling her he looks like someone who slays samurais, not science. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, he looks like he has a samurai sword, but then he goes home and he paints a portrait of it. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, we'll put up a picture of Kulik, because I love the way he looks. But... Allie, what do you think? Yeah. Well... I find it hard to pick a theory, but I do kind of like that swamp one. I think the problem with this is anything could have happened in 20 years. Yeah. They waited so long to even go look at the area. Like, what happened? (laughs) Did the Russian government take all of the UFO parts and bring them to their own place? Or did, did the swampland finally, like, did they have a warm year and it melted enough and just kind of sucked everything into it? And then it was so radiated that, like, nothing ever has grown back. I don't know. I think that's interesting. So I'll go with that one. Yeah. Swampland ate the meteor. Cool. That's it. 
That's the theory. That's the Tunguska event. Uh, tell us what you think. What's your theory? Give us more fringe theories. Uh, maybe not as weird as Cam's beaver theory, but do it. Do you do you? Do whatever huh. you want. I like how you bring up the beaver theory, but not the sneezing thing. Yeah, well, you told me that a while ago, so if, I was ready for if it. If you're a scientist and you can math better than I can, please tell me if 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 you were to sneeze into a black hole, what would happen? <laughs> would it take the sneeze and do anything with it? Would it not? It's interesting. How far are you standing away from the black hole? That's, I mean, like... Well, so, according to Cam's theory, it sounded like he was just sticking so, his face right in Say you're it. experimenting with a controlled black hole, or at least a way into the black hole, like a pathway, and you're, you're close enough to where if you sneeze, like the majority of your sneeze would get into the black hole. I'm curious what would happen. Hmm. I'm legitimately curious. Like, I'm not lying. Like, it's it's more of a question of, like, what happens to the pressure that enters. But does it have an escape? Does it not have an escape? We know light can escape a black hole, but can a sneeze? Well, that's uh, Cameron's Science Corner. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> Call that an unscience corner. <laughs> you can find us on the interwebs. Follow us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah. At Conspiracy What. Um, if you want to see any of the the photographic evidence and um, anything else I can find that you can't really convey through a podcast that is only audio, uh, subscribe to our newsletter. Yay! It's very good. There's links on all of our social media. Um, And if you just go to our website, there is a little box on the side that you can toss your email in there and sign up. Um, If you don't feel like having somebody have access to your email, you can just click on the link and just look at the archives. We would think it's cool if you subscribed. We would. You'd be very cool. Yes. Cooler than a fire beaver. Uh, Robert is permanent now. I am. Yeah. He'll be coming back every few weeks. On a rotating basis. Yes. All right. So thanks for listening. If you want to find any books, which there are actually a lot of books about this topic, um, you can follow us on Goodreads. And if you have theories you want to send us, we have an email, conspiracywhat at gmail.com. And I think I got everything. I'm Cameron. I'm Allie. And I'm Robert. You going to say the thing? Yeah. Uh, remember to always stay stitches. Oh, I get it now. Have a good day. Don't night, get blown up by an asteroid. Afternoon, future, past, wherever you are listening to And this. don't sneeze into a black hole. You never know what can happen. Or if you do, tell us about it. Yes, <laughs> record it. Give us evidence. <laughs> <laughs>